HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to The Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guests are Alexandra Schreckengost and Katya Scharnagel. <laughs> Mouthful <laughs> for any guy. Um, we'll talk to Alex and Katya about virtual with us, Coleman, and a lot more. We'll taste a couple of wines, a wine that Alex made and a wine that Katya brought in. That's uh, representative of her taste and her restaurant. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Alex Schreckengost has spent almost two decades working in wine, spirits, hospitality, luxury goods, and PR. She has worked closely with such iconic brands as Romani Conti and Beyond Santi. Adam Porter Wilson Daniels. The pandemic created an opportunity for Alex to rethink things and start a mission-driven business to help the workers in hospitality and the consumer alike. Alex founded Virtual With Us and Culture With Us, a predominantly female and black-owned business. Katya Scharnagel hails from the Wachau, is that how I pronounce it? Yes. The Wachau region of Austria. Grew up surrounded by wine. While in Austria, she attended culinary school, received her SOM degree, worked at the finest restaurants. She landed in the U.S. around 2011 and worked side by side with Aldo Som at Le Bernardin for almost a decade. Katya is now beverage director at Coleman with Marcus Clocker, one of the highest and highest rated and hottest restaurants in New York City. And she's part of the virtual with us beverage and culinary network. Um, the interesting thing about this interview is Alex and Katya have pivoted to new directions in their career path. And we're going to talk about that. So 
Was that introduction accurate for everybody? I think so. All right. <laughs> so I want to welcome to the Grape Nation Alex, and I want to welcome back Katya, who was on when she was at La Bernadine. Um, with two of our psalm friends, and none of you are there now, (laughs) which is funny. All right, so it's not, it's easy for me to say, and and I mean this, that, you know, you were two of my favorite people in the business. Um, I see Katya, you know, more than I see you, but, you know, Alex, you and I did a lot of fun stuff together, and I appreciate all that. So, you know, I have really good feelings. Um, We have a lot to talk about here. There's a lot going on. But as I mentioned off air, in order to give my listeners a little context, I want you to talk a little about your journey in life and wine that got you to where you are, which is virtual with us in Coleman. So, Katya, you go first. Okay. Take me back to Austria, but not <laughs> not too far back. Not too far back. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for having us on the show. I'm super excited to be here, Bushwick. Um, yeah, going back, um, as I said, the culinary school grew up in a winery in a Wachau, the wine region. And so um, I just wanted to spend a year abroad, basically. I was like, okay, you know, and I visit New York on a personal trip and I fall in love with the city. I was here for 36 hours and I was How like... How old were you? Um, that was... Ugh. Ten years ago, it was like okay. like right before I came to us, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then, how can I make this happen to live and work here for a year? I flew back to Austria, and a regular of mine at the hotel, he was like, "Don't you know anybody in New York?" I'm like, "No, I don't. Who do I know?" And he was like, "Yeah, there's somebody like called Aldo Som." I was like, "Yeah, I've heard about him, you know." And he's like, "Oh, should I, should I call him?" And it's like, "Okay, you know." Yeah, Did so that guy know him or no? They were, yes. Knew so of him was, or knew yeah, him? He knew of him and he had his okay. number and he called him on Christmas Eve and it was like, I have a young lady here. She wants to go to New York and she wants to work with you. So, and Aldo was like, oh yeah, no. Send me the resume and, you know, let's talk. And then we had our first, first phone call. And the first thing Aldo told me is like, listen, it's not sex in the city. You have to work here, you know, just to make one thing clear. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, I can work. (laughs) And so we ended up um, agreeing that I would come for a three-month internship. And, you know, I grew up in Wachau. I grew up in a little village, you know, 10,000 people. Never lived in a big city before. And he's like, just to make sure... (laughs) You kind of like like New York. I was like, oh, of course, I'm going to love New York. That's but fair. it's like, it's, you know, it's a little different, you know. And so I spent here the summer in uh, New York and um, worked at Lebanon and kind of like ate my way through the city. Um, when you work there, hmm. I mean, you were like a apprentice sommelier yes. or? Yeah. So I was on the floor. Initially, I was in the office and I was on the floor. And I think the first or second day, Aldo was like, just stay in the corner. Don't move. <laughs> Don't do anything, you know. Was, and, wait, we, we know Aldo in love with him. I mean, Aldo at this point is legendary. Yes. Was he a good guy then? Was he tough? I mean, what what was your first impressions? Forget what we think of him now. I want to know then. He was amazing, but definitely tough. Because then like after a couple of weeks, he's like, you want to keep on doing this? Then just, you know, get it together, basically. And um, yeah, I was just amazed. I mean, the first time like standing in this beautiful restaurant and then I was at the like the fast pace you know and i like in europe but you, you, you go already to... had done certification you oh, yeah, worked yeah, yeah. in great restaurants Definitely. but this still was all completely off i mean really? i was like 
whoa, what's happening here, you know? And like, you know, you have multiple seatings, you know, you turn the tables, you have three stars, you know, it's the best rooms you can, you find in the city, you know? And so, and it took me a while to get like, get used to it, you know? And then we had this little conversation. He's like, you know, just study your burgundies, study this and this, and you're going to be good to go, you know? And I loved it, you know. And did I, you? I mean, yes. were you diligent? You yeah, embedded yeah. yourself in oh, yes, all of definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah, I, you know, had so a great at, teacher. At what point does he take you on or indicates to you, listen, stay and do this? Yes, uh, pretty, pretty fast. <laughs> so pretty shortly after. So we had do this you have to go back home, settle yeah. up, come back? I mean, and I spent all my money that I had in the three months I was here. I was eating my way through New York, and but there was no opening, you know. So I was like, I can find you a job in New York City doesn't matter where you want to be, you know, I will help you. And I was like, no, I want to stay here with you at Lebanada. So you waited for an opening. You know, (laughs) so I waited a year and a half, you know. (laughs) And that was what, about 2011? Yeah. So how many years did you spend there? Uh, Almost 11 years, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I meant to ask you this. You eventually left. Was that because of COVID? Was that because it was time to leave? Was that, what were... After all those years, mm. with an incredible run, no. what was the reason you... I had a baby. It was I had that. A baby for, yes. Okay. No, I was like, you know, I want to spend time with her. And we already talked so, a little bit so about it. And like, you know, we had people... Just shut everything like, down, you know, have the baby, no distractions. And in time, you'll figure that yes. out. Yeah. All right. So that you, that was when? How old's the baby? Uh, she's now 15 months. So, yeah. Okay, so during that period of time, you kind of plotted your next thing, which is a restaurant, Coleman, which we'll talk about. We'll get oh. to that. So that gets oh. us to Karin. All right, so now we turn to Alex. So, Alex, I'm curious because I know you from the wine business. I know you from an incredible company, as I mentioned in the intro, with you know some incredible wines. I mean, kind of top of the game. What I don't know is what you were doing before that and what got you into it. So bring me to that point. Okay. Um, So, you know, I I graduated from college and I wanted to do communications. I knew that was the direction. And I always loved food and hospitality and wine. And I didn't really know how to get into that. So I first started doing the Rubik's Revolution um, and the Rubik's Cube. And I said, this isn't what I want to do with my life and my career. And Wendy Knight, who was associated with the French Culinary Institute in Dorothy Hamilton at the time, said, let's bring you on as a junior publicist. And you'll, you know, I essentially got Dorothy, her placements, her feature stories, and we really focused on on her, but also the deans of the school. So I worked with Jacques Pepin, with Cesare Casella, with Nils Noren, Dave Arnold. And I used to get press for all of the deans at the school, as well as Dorothy. And I really just looked up to her and I, I loved everything about her. And, and she guided me in this way. And she said, you, you're really good at hospitality PR. Um, and you know, when Wendy was looking at the growth plan for me, she suggested, you know, she's like, we're a very small agency. You're not going to really grow beyond here. And she was moving to Vermont and she said, you should go to Susan Magrino. And she called up Susan Magrino and I went there and that's really where What year are we at? So, uh, that was around 2009. Okay. And 
you know, Susan and I had a great conversation. I met with Alan as well. And they said, well, we have a culinary wine and spirits division. Do you want to try this? And so I said, let's do it. And they put me on William Grant and Sons. I represented the whole portfolio. I opened up a voce and worked with Missy Robbins and really opening up restaurants all over the United States with Magrino. I worked with, you know, the Fountain Blue and, and so on. And I had stayed with Susan for five years. Um, that's wow. really my first introduction into a deep dive into wine because I was put on the Antonori um, portfolio. And I had the chance to meet Alessia, and that's really where I started to love wine. So Alessia Antonori did a presentation in a room full of men, only men, in a white suit, casually swirling a red glass of wine. And I was like, what a cool... She wore a white suit on purpose, you think? I don't know, I think so. I said, what a cool... She's been on the show. She's pretty sharp. <laughs> I mean, she is sharp, and she is just stellar, and she was amazing to work for, and I just... I was in awe of her, and they sent me out to um, St. Michelle Wine Estates and introduced me more to wine, did some training. Um, and that's really what started and everything. So always hospitality, or that was, you know, the initial love. But Alessia was sort of that gateway to wine, or she opened your eyes up? She was that gateway to wine, and, you know... At, once I left Susan Magrino, I stayed in touch with them, and I went over to Weber Shanwick for a significant amount of time, close to seven years, and that's where I had my twins, and I was working on uh, the Rebetta del Duero Rueda wine portfolio, um, and really that's, that's kind of my next segue into really learning and diving into wine, learning a lot of the trade, starting my education in wine, so at the WSET program, um, I started level one, I just completed the diploma last year. And that's what really started everything all was that conversation with Alessia and, and diving into her confidence, how she casually talked about wine, but romantically. And just that she just had all this splendor and, and greatness in that room. Uh, and I've worked with a lot of incredible people since. And, and then after Weber Shamwick, I went over to Wilson Daniels and I was there until the pandemic how long were you at Wilson? Uh, four years. Four years. Um, and then the pandemic came. And I want to talk about that in a second. But <laughs> wine certification. I know it's good for you because it's kind of self-teaching. Like mm -hmm. you embed yourself in it. Does it mean anything in the business world now? Do you have to, when you go to apply for a job, does it matter whether you're certified or not? Do people care about that? Less? Same? No. I think it's less. Right. I think it's the like, you know, court of master sommeliers had a terrible scandal. What do you think? I think it's less. The, the thing for marketing and communications is a lot of people, and, and the reason why I went to get the certification was a lot of people are like, oh, she's just the communications person or girl, or she's just the marketing person. And I, I wanted to showcase that I could bring it, that I knew what they were talking about, Fair. but that I could also articulate it to the media um, with an understanding of what wine was. I, I think that's fair and that's, you know, well put. I also agree with Katya. I think I if now, you know, with everything you've done and you walked in somewhere, whether you had that or not, it's oh, about yeah. you and what you did, you know, so that's important. I agree. Um, so is it fair to say that the pandemic changed the course of your lives? I mean, Start with you, because I'm positive it did with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, you know, we went, we actually had um, 
Aubert de Villain. This is Alex talking. This is Alex talking. <laughs> so now you know the voice. Of, go ahead. Um, we had Aubert de Villain in, uh, in March of 2020, that very first week. And we were hosting an event and everybody was stirring about COVID. And I had, you know, we were trying to figure out sh- what do we do? And so I stayed, you know, working remotely at WD until um, July. And I actually went on a waterboard for the first time uh, with a friend that summer and just thought, I don't, I don't want to work in a house anymore. I need to start my own thing. And I have an idea. And as you know, the idea kind of started to formulate in, in April and May, everybody was on lockdown a lot of my very, very close and good friends who worked in hospitality weren't working at all. Um, some of them weren't even freelancing or contributing They because they right. had dedicated that, that their- That industry got hit hard. Right. So you weren't furloughed or let go? No. You were just, everything was kind of shut down. You were at home. I was working from home. And you I- got to thinking the level of activity was near nil. Yes, as far as all of that. Well, I gave I gave my resignation. And I gave notice from July until October, um, and they knew I had this project. They asked what it was, uh, and I think at that time I was like, "There's there's an opportunity to help a lot of people. There's an opportunity to really grow professionally and to be in a in a space where I would like to be in." Right. And I said, "Let me try. The worst that could happen is I fail and fall on my face and." then I'll have to try something else or go back oh, to an agency. I mean, I love that part. Um, we're going to come back to that. With you, you said before you left because you wanted to have a baby. Did the pandemic have anything to do with how you thought or, you know, having a baby or that was always your plans? I don't know if it was a plan. It was just, you know, it was, it happened. <laughs> just, lots right. of champagne, you right. know. <laughs> I mean, yours is very specific. Yours is coincidental timing or whatever. Yes. You were ready in your life, yes. you know, to do all of this. Um, just curious. I mean, do you, do you taunt Aldo and say, listen, you know, I want to be a mom soon. This isn't going to last forever. You never have that conversation. No, no, never you, know, you don't have to, by the way. You the bus, um, no. <laughs> So this is a general question, and I'm curious. You both are I'm making up a word, hospitality areans. You guys are in hospitality. <laughs> has hospitality as we know it, has it returned to levels similar to where we were before? I mean, you have two different perspectives. Yeah. Hers should be pretty good. You know, what? how do you answer that? So on my end, I see it's kind of this weird balance. There's craziness everywhere. Um, you know, you see a lot of the restaurants doing really well, but then you also see the restaurants that were struggling. It's bizarre. You see some incredible talent and they're opening up their restaurant like Katya and Mark did. People want to be there. There's great energy. And I'm, I mean, it, everyone wants to be out. Um, but I think it's very specific and, and I've heard this a lot from my friends who live in New York, like in the city, cause I live right outside is that the offices are not what they were. So the day to day business during the day for lunch, for example, or just hosting with your teams is very, very different than what it was. 
And a lot of companies went in and gave hybrid models permanently. So when you do that, you have an influx of people coming in just on certain times of the week or certain times of the month. And so I think from a restaurant bar perspective, you do see that shift. And then on the virtual side, I also saw the shift too, because you had people kind of going back to restaurants really excited. I mean, I don't want to make my own cocktail at home. Um, and so I'll drink wine, (laughs) but so you see that shift and it's, it's very bizarre and it's very interesting to navigate right now in terms of just determining what the landscape is going to end up being in the end. A lot of organizations are confused, uh, and don't know what to do to one ensure culture and maintain it and entertaining customers and guests, um, their teams. That's a huge proponent of that. I think that's pretty accurate, you know, because the question is so general. But that answer is very specific. I mean, I, I, I mean, think, I live and breathe this every day. No, I know. And I think the takeaway is things are better, but we're not there. Yeah. But what's interesting with you is, and, you know, Alex alluded to it, there's sort of been a renaissance of restaurants. But oh, off totally. to the side, yes. you know, yeah. there's many other problems, you know, people, staff, restaurants, you yeah. read about them going under. But... You got involved in a project, you know, where you just opened a restaurant to great notices. So in a sense, is it fair to say that indicates that hospitality, you know, is making a comeback? Oh, totally. People want to be out, you know, and we have a lot of customers coming in with, you know, on dates or with families, et cetera. We definitely see less of the business dinners, you know, that's, I think that's a good point. Those were the guys who ordered 11 bottles of wine. (laughs) Um, So I think it's more like casually meeting up with friends and people like, you still hear of people, oh, we haven't seen each other in a year, you know, or we haven't been able to catch up, you know, in person since a year. You still hear it, you know, and then you have people coming in that are still a little COVID cautious, you know, they're coming with masks they want to ask okay we sit separate we don't want to be like in the middle of the restaurant we want to have a separate corner or something they're specific about that yes so there's a smattering of everything but one observation is there's definitely less business and all that that that's interesting um i i always feel awkward asking this question because you could probably do a show on it and you know sometimes it seems kind of shallow but i'm always curious i mean you, you're women, you've been in the industry for a long time. Um, Alex, you've worked, at least Wilson Daniels, I mean, that's kind of a manly side of the business. The agency, I mean, Magrino was owned by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that side of the business is very women-dominated. The restaurant business has seen problems. You know, you've read stories in the Times and all of that. Did you guys ever feel that being a woman sort of hampered your opportunity, your advancement, um, or anything, you know, to get ahead? Um, I mean, did you ever feel in business, you know, this kind of sucks or I'm not being taken as serious? Yeah, to an extent, you know, I think the, the biggest thing was that there are very few women and even on the marketing side, which was surprising to me, there were still a lot of men that were doing marketing and communications. I would run into a few peers. I would be like, oh. But um, I do think it took a a longer time for promotion, for raises and things like that in terms of just being equal to my peers because they were men. 
Um, Definitely you know, noticeable. It was noticeable on my end. It was something that continually bothered me throughout the the years of working in a variety of wine spaces and with wineries and with regions. And it's something that I had to grapple with because I didn't just didn't understand. I was like, I'm I'm doing just as good a job or maybe better, or I, I don't understand because I work all of the time and I'm working hard and I'm delivering or whatever it may be that I was thinking at the time. It, it was a struggle for me to adjust and accept that this is what it was. And then I was like, why do I need to accept it? Right. So it varied and yeah. it depends who my boss was at the time, but it definitely, right. you definitely saw it. Right. Um, I think it existed that way and it still does. Now you were in a, nice circumstance with people you knew well did you ever sense like i i you were at the restaurant 10 11 years i mean i know aldo he had a lot of women sommelier i mean i guess you didn't really sense that what about outside in the industry or events or whatever i mean no i've been asked this question a couple times now and i have to say i'm like me no never to be honest you know i always worked hard i've never seen it um i've seen heard from other right. colleagues other women right. they were talking but nothing specific and aldo was always great as i said you had at one point a whole female uh, yeah so i mean team i suspected that so there was never anything like oh you know because Cause there's good guys in yeah. the business there, yeah there, yeah i mean that's there. that's a nice thing yeah. um you know, you guys were in different segments of the business, and I think, you know, yours was huh. a lot tougher. I mean, um, I guess from the guest perspective sometimes, you know, we're like, oh, we want to speak to sommelier, and you stand in front of them, and they look at like, I was like, yeah, you talk to me. And they were like, no, we well, want to speak to Well, that's the sommelier. only story. <laughs> that's that, the thing, you know. You know? The beautiful like, thing that's, is, we're like, you know, there's only women here, so <laughs> pick The beautiful thing about us, New you know? York <laughs> is, you know, there's been... <laughs> But a lot sort of, of women you know, in great positions yeah. for a long time. And Absolutely. the old Wall Street story is yeah. bring the sommelier over yeah. and a woman comes and go, well, bring yeah. the sommelier. Yeah. And, you know, so, so that happened definitely a couple times. <laughs> All right. So this is a good segue for us to talk about, um, Alexandra, what you're doing. I'm going to start okay. calling you Alex from now on because Alexandra's <laughs> way too long. Um it's a good segue for virtual with us and culture with us, because as you mentioned earlier, I mean, one of the driving forces, and as I said in the intro, you know, kind of a mission-driven business was to engage with people and hospitality and all of that. But tell me more about how the business came together and tell people about, you know, at some point you had to have a mission statement or a direction, you know, get into that a little with me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we developed it. I was watching Netflix, texting with one of my sommelier friends who was in D.C., and she was deciding what to do. Um, she had been furloughed, and she's like, maybe I should move. Just trying to really figure out her next step. She didn't know. Um, and at the same time, my husband, who was in tech sales, was struggling with calling, speaking to his contacts and his and his prospects, I was like, you know, there's got to be something we can do. Maybe we could do wine tastings. I was like, I know a ton of sommeliers. They, I'm sure they want the extra cash. Let's see what we can do. And I spoke to the Content Square team. They were our first customer. And they said, well, yeah, let's do it. Let's roll out a program. Um, and as I was developing the mission statement, I really wanted to think through inclusion, equity, and, and diversity. And also working with hospitality, and that was the goal. Our network was always built on the sommeliers, the mixologists, the cicerones, and the chefs that came in um, that year. 
And that's really where the mission was, was built and where the story of culture kind of came into play. And as I started to have conversations with these large organizations that were also having the same trouble that Content Square was or separately internally, they had this issue even before the pandemic. They were a global org and they could never entertain their team together with everybody having something because people were all over the place and it was just too complicated. And so I started to do some research and really dive in and as part of supporting hospitality, but also really finding and building an infrastructure for these global orgs, we, we reached out to artists and vendors all over the world. Hey, you're a small business, you're women owned, you're a mom, and you do beer and cheese in, in you know, Japan. Can you work with us? Or you do something in Egypt, can you be our vendor? And so we started to really build that <laughs> process through there. And I know it's very scrappy, but we are a no, startup. It's terrific. And that's really how it started. And I remember it was just myself and Sue, who's my logistics and finance director now. And her and I were up at, you know, two in the morning calling Asia, trying to figure out who can fulfill there. Then we'd, you know, at four or 5 a.m. call the UK and find partners there. And over about a two month span, we were able to really start and build out what is today, which is 65 countries. Uh, and, and in building that, we were able to procure customers like Johnson and Johnson and Nestle and Salesforce and Oracle and all these large companies. All right, so, cause I, I know both sides of this <laughs> now tell me or tell my listeners what you do. Let's talk about, you know, the service you sort of talked about infrastructure and getting suppliers and all that. Tell me about the show. Yeah. So I'm Johnson and Johnson. I call <laughs> you. I have a hundred employees. I need to do something cool or team or whatever. What are we doing? Absolutely. So Katya actually did a J and J event last uh, last year, a few mm -hmm. months ago. Now? Yes. Okay. Trying to figure out. It was a women a women uh, for Women's History Month actually. So it was in March. Um, and so we focus on tasting experiences and we launched only with wine tasting. So we were sending wine tasting boxes out. They would get three bottles, seven fifties or three, seven fives. And then it evolved and people were like, do you do whiskey tastings? Do you do te tequila? Can we have food? And that's really what, what started the culture. Uh, and so now so a lot of the expansion of your offerings was push from the other side. It's like, this is great. Can you do this, this, this? Well, it was both ends. It was, you know, what creative ideas do you have for wine pairings around the holidays? Or what can we do um, with our team that involves like art, but while we drink? And so in, in building that out, we decided to build out an offerings catalog that expanded beyond that because people can enjoy wine and do many things. Um, and that's really how it started. So, and once we put that into play, then we started to speak to the hosts and say, these are all of our offerings. What can you all do? Can you do, you know, Katya's done beer and cider tastings for us. And we've had tequila tastings. We have, you name it. And it really was built on just being creative because also on the other side of things, we only started virtual in 2020. It was only virtual. And it can when get you boring. you started the business because of where the world was, mm -hmm. it was only virtual, like you said. Did you think the world was gonna come out of this and you would take it somewhere else or you sort of set up as a virtual company? Nope, I started to build the infrastructure for culture um, a few months after. You know, 
we knew, or at least we hoped that we weren't going to stay in the constant of lockdown. So right. it was like, where would the evolution of the business go? How can I expand further? And that's when the hybrid stuff came in and our e-commerce and the white label. What's the white label? Altracero, which we'll talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll do that during the tasting. So a couple <laughs> things to what you do. Um, there's a curation of events um, that recognize important things like Black History Month and, you know, women's, um, Women in History Month and a lot of other things. Plus, like you said, there's a diversity. It started as wine, which made sense because that's where you came from. Mixology, entertainment, you know, all that other stuff. Um, how do things break down? I mean, is it still a lot of wine or it's a lot of everything now? So it, it goes from season to season. Wine is always our most popular. Okay. But is uh, that because wine's a great thing and it's a great social lubricator and people are always inquisitive about it? And it's something that the general public, the masses, when you're dealing with a larger group, the majority of the folks are like, I like wine, I'll drink wine versus like I'm doing a tequila tasting. You have to be fully committed to that. Um, so it started there, but I would say what's really popular right now for the holidays or holiday cocktails. We do a lot of champagne tastings around the holidays um, and everything is incorporated with food. So we have like our gingerbread and hot toddies. And <laughs> you said to me off air, why are people, why is everyone ordering a gingerbread house? We don't, <laughs> well, what do you expect? You We're going to have this, a gingerbread house shortage. You, this isn't a big champagne time of the year. I mean, you have your one, list you know. of champagne. It I mean, is. you know, I mean, I was, it's like, I thought you guys were smarter than that. You know what I mean? Really? Um, in that sense. Um, so you went from virtual to live, right? I mean, because the world opened up a little and you could do it either way. Um, so we do both. So we have virtual and then what we call hybrid. Um, and then we also have our corporate gifts, which also involve wine, also involve tips and tricks from our hospitality network. Uh, well, they'll receive like recipes or pairing ideas, shopping lists, different things like that. And it's still all B2B, but our e-commerce is open to consumers. Right. If you're in that business of acquiring all these things for everyone, you make it available to everyone. Yes. Now, everyone should know what's interesting to me is, you know, Alex and I have been talking about coming on the show. And it was Alex who said, I'd like to bring someone on. And I said, what are you thinking? And she said, somebody in wine. And she had mentioned you. And, you know, that was a no-brainer because, you know, I knew. <laughs> you. But, there's, but there's a reason behind it because the way your business is built, when you present all these events and tastings to people, you have brought in the experts. Mm -hmm. You know, and Katya is top of the game as far as experts and all that. But there's a she whole is. host and all that. Explain who's leading these events you know i mean i'm talking specifically about katya but everyone else you have a whole cadre of you know these type of people so you're not just drinking wine with some guy you're drinking wine with experts talk to me about that absolutely so that was the big proponent you know in in 2020 especially where people couldn't go to restaurants and they're used to having a sommelier that lights up the room and you have katya at lambert and den at the time who's going to the table and speaking to you, they wanted that 
they wanted to be able to speak to her or speak to anyone within the network that has worked the floor and has gone to their table and just really introduced wine to them in a way that made them want to go back. So that was a, a large component of how we built out the programming was having people that uh, the customers love to go dine with. Uh, and a lot of the people were like, wow, we, we know that restaurant. We go there all of the time, whether it was a restaurant in New York or San Francisco right. or Boston. And that was a really, really huge part of what drew a lot of our customers to us was this incredible hospitality network. And they said, how did you get these people? Because a lot of our competitors, they don't. They don't have experts. these experts or they do, but they only have one or two. And there's blackout I mean, you dates. have, not to diminish Katya, but I mean, you have a large handful of great people. Yes, I you do. Know, I mean, I'm very I think you're fortunate. doing enough events where you need a lot of people and all that. But I, and mean, I don't think Katya will do cookie decorating. No, no, no. She stays in her lane. <laughs> I can't but, do that. <laughs> she's like, I'll do cookie decorating. You know, I'm some dude at Johnson & Johnson or some other company. And, you know, I'm doing this thing with you guys and Katya is my guy. I mean, some people don't realize, you know, you know what they're dealing with. I mean, it's that good. I mean, people have geeked out and a lot of the senior leadership and executive leaders that have been to the restaurants too are incredibly impressed and excited and they want more. So they keep coming back. And that's been a really, really great honor. Um, tell me another thing. As far as what you offer to people, how do you curate that? Like, what wines do you decide? I mean, obviously, what cheese. Yeah, I mean, I guess you get to taste everything. I, I guess people are pitching you now, but how do you, I mean, you're pushing a lot of product out now. We are. So we do tastings on a quarterly basis with Logan, who's my head of operations. Um, and we tap our network too. And I'll say, you know, what are your thoughts on these wines? And, you know, this is, this is what I'm thinking. And I work closely with our distributors and the retail stores that we've partnered up with. Um, the buyer there will be like, Hey, you know, I was, I was tasting this and I really love it. Can you give it a try and see if it works? And that's really how we've been able to build the different packages. And we, we make them quarterly because there are times of the year where there's cultural awareness. So for black history or women's history, right. But it's something that we incorporate throughout the Will entire year as well. you focus on, you know, women-owned wineries, black-owned, you know, that's where you can really, you know, curate to yes. your mission, right? Absolutely. And we have those offerings throughout the year, but we really get to expand and have fun and add, you know, all of our vendors, partners, and products all come from <laughs> underrepresented communities. So they're women-owned or LGBTQ+, or Black-owned, or pe person of color. And that was very, very important to the mission as well, is to ensure that everyone had a seat at the table. Right. Um, do you think, where is the workforce going? I mean... I think I know the answer. It's ultimately going to be some type of hybrid. But you built your business off of virtual with mm -hmm. us. I mean, virtual. I think people are going back to work. Where do you think it's going and will that have an effect on your business? And then for you, you had mentioned business lunches are gone. I think people are pushing to get people back in the office. I mean, do you think you'll ever feel that? You go first. I mean, where do you think this is going to land? Well, I've already seen the shift this year, last year a little bit so, where there was very, very much so hybrid. And then you started to see a lot of employees doing the great resignation where employers were threatening and saying, you, you have to come back five days a week. 
The thing is, it really is going to vary depending on where you are professionally. If you're just coming in to the workspace and you're in your 20s and you graduate, you want to be in New York City and you want to be at the restaurants. They're just not going to have the budget or the spend for what was. And then you have middle management that probably lives in New Jersey or Connecticut or Westchester if you're in the New York metro, but anywhere you're in a suburb and you have one child, two children, and you just want to go in maybe a couple of times a week, a couple of times a month for a town hall, but you have a busy schedule with your family and you need a little bit more flexibility. You may be dealing with elderly parents Um, during the pandemic. They moved in, different things. And then you have executives who not very many executives were always in the office every day to begin with. And a lot of them did move. So there's, there's that structure. So it's really building upon how can I bring one business to the different restaurants. So we do pitch different restaurant partners within top cities for executives that have the budget and spend to bring them in. And then separately, how, you know, how do we continually function on the virtual side as well? Um, The hybrid has been growing, but it's still, even for the holiday, a lot of people said they they didn't want to go to a holiday party. I mean, we're getting a ton of requests right now where the holiday is parties that are because they're used to being home, or they don't want to be in big crowds. Or There's both. a mix of that, and also a lot of budgets are being cut. Right. There's a lot of layoffs. There's there's recession. been articles about business travel where companies said let's cut back on let's it. cut back on the business just because of the economy. Right, and so how are you going to have a holiday party with just ten of your employees that are in this one city? Then you're essentially not including a whole other segment of your business. Interesting. So Katya, in New York, business guys were always a big chunk of the business. Right. And geographically, if you were downtown or you were like a big steakhouse, these guys would come to that. Always. Um, So your business has launched successfully Mm -hmm. with the current business circumstance, which is not, you know, the big business thing, right? Is that fair to say? It's fair I to mean, say, yes. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. do you feel business will come back? I mean, do you I think feel... so, yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. People want to go out, but I think yes. it's also like, as Alex said, like I did a lot of tastings, uh, virtual tastings with her. And so what most people told me, and like, you know, yes, we have a family and we can choose when we go to the office, when we go to the city, you know? It's not like you have to go any, every day, you know? It's a commute. I have dear friends of mine, they were like, you know what? I'm going to work from at home indefinitely. I will never go on the subway in the morning for an hour, an hour and a half if I don't have to, you know? Right. So I feel like that's definitely the shift where people kind of like coming to the city on purpose, you know? Yes. Okay, I have to spend a day in the office and I right. look for a restaurant that I want to try and out. And you're I a destination. Go, you know? I mean, so, that's yeah. spe- yeah, you know. so she's going yeah. to have that busyness. Mm -hmm. anyway because also and the greatest thing is the location for me the the first time they opened i walked from penn station which was amazing and it's right there yes we'll talk about that in a minute (laughs) um guys we have to take a break um we are talking to uh alex schreckengost and katia sharnagel um, Alex is the founder of Virtual With Us. Katya is the uh, beverage director at a new exciting restaurant in New York, Coleman. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about uh, Virtual With Us. And Katya, I want to talk to you um, about Coleman because there's some exciting things. You're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. All right, we're back. We're back with my guests, Alex and Katya. Um, you know them by now. Um, all right, so Katya, let's let's talk first a little about virtual with us. I mean, your involvement with them is bringing your expertise um, to the table. I'm curious how you guys met. <laughs> uh, through a new, uh, mutual friend, um, I was. When I start with you, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> During the pandemic, you know, I was at home, you know. Um, I got approached um, from multiple uh, people to do this, like, online virtual tasting. But then I found out, like, this is a lot of work, you know. You have to organize the bottles. You have to ship them all, you know, like the notes and everything. It's not just everything. popping on Zoom no. five minutes before. No. Yeah. And then so a friend of us introduced us to each other and we start talking. And Alex was like, when you do it, I was like, yeah, of course you know <laughs> and so and then the first packages arrived and everything is perfectly organized i mean like for a host you know so everybody like doesn't matter how many people you have on a call but you as this host a first you get introduction with um the people um who you're going to work with so there's always going to be like an introduction call a couple of days before the uh, the tasting so you're going to ask us like is there anything specific you want to talk about what you don't right. want to talk you know because obviously you're right politics yeah. or anything and then like how much in detail or is it just like a gathering of like people want to have fun you know and you're kind of like you you have to read the room you know and then you get the packages you get all the wines you get all the snacks and everything you know and then little you pop on half an hour before the call you're on zoom so make sure you kind of like you know um make sure the uh, microphone is on and everything works and then you get the introduction and then you are with the people and you guide them through an hour-long tasting and it's so fascinating because you get questions there are so in detail and you get like the most obscure questions and you get funny <laughs> things and then sometimes you ended up like almost being with them in the room you know so you talk about cool. everything else than wine almost Alex, you know? that, that's it's what you dream about amazing right? you know, that, because you that have kind of vibe the <laughs> connections you kind of like people are kind of like oh cool what is this and they're starting to talking with each other you know and for me it was an amazing experience because you know, to, to see it from a different angle, you know, I mean, right. like, you know, like, but right. it's three stories, you, know? you. you kind of like, and then you get like questions about, uh, Tupac Chuck. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> right. Is that, never tasted that one. <laughs> Always a Tupac Chuck question. So, so Katya, <laughs> you know? uh, before you came here, Alex pulled me over and she said, can you do me a favor? I said, anything for you. She said, can you ask Alex? I mean, can you ask Katya 
now that she's so busy with this hot <laughs> restaurant that she'll continue to be one of my hosts of on an ongoing basis and she won't give me some cockamamie excuse that I have no. this. Okay, so you're in. You're 100%. In. Right, yeah. You got that, Alex? Okay. And that's the fun part I of mean, the show, you know? She asked, she you went to the bathroom, up. she asked me before she came back, she asked me when we sat down, she asked me. I yes, said, just on the record down. for everybody, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll continue. <laughs> All right. We work around schedules. I know. I have a lot I, of people on the floor. That's, no, but I, it's I, fascinating. I, I mean, joke, but that's yeah. the beauty of it. I, Obviously, you yeah. can fit all this in. And that's you know? perfect. Like with uh, when a baby was a couple months old, you know, I would like time my schedule. I had like the stroller next to me and I had like three bottles of wine, the laptop in front of me. I had the stroller, you know, going back and forth. <laughs> she was sleeping and I had a, like a wine tasting. I was like, this is perfect. You know, it's great. you work from at home, you know, and then after an hour an hour and a half depends on you know you feel out the room and then you say goodbye you know and then perfect yeah all right so i want to i want to talk to you a little <laughs> about coleman because yes, it's very yes. exciting you know it's funny i saw you i think at the wine and spirits tasting yes. a, a while back and i said what's going on with you she says i got this thing going on you said i have this thing going on and you know it's pretty cool and you had mentioned marcus i think and I know Marcus, you know, as a New York chef, it just went. And I remember in my Apple notes, I put Coleman. Mm -hmm. You said to me, we we're launching this. And like two months later, I'm looking at my notes. I go, what the F is Coleman? <laughs> I had like no recollection of it. But, you know, let's talk about that. So after almost a decade of Bernadine, you leave to have a kid and then you have that kid, great mom, and you emerge and you are the opening team with Marcus Glocker, who's certainly a notable chef, and a restaurant mm -hmm. called Coleman. Mm -hmm. So first, tell me, how'd that come together? I mean, is Marcus somebody, is this like the Austrian mafia or something? <laughs> no, it wasn't actually. How, how do you and Marcus? Um, yes, I left, and then I did a lot of consulting work. And, right, um, and you, do you still have that consulting like, business, yeah, yes. even though you're busy? And then... I was like, I don't know if I want to go back to restaurants or not. And I've heard from multiple people that Marcus is looking for somebody. And shout out to Rita Shame, who was actually the matchmaker, because Rita was, was like, kept on telling me, it's like, Marcus is looking for somebody. And then she told Marcus a couple of times, it's like, look, maybe you want to reach out to Katya and so ask. So Rita you know? helped get specific. Like she went she to Marcus sent, and said, she Katya sent is your guy. And she yes. went to you and said, Marcus is. <laughs> she sent an email right. to both of us. And it's like, you guys should talk. Okay. So God big bless shout her. out to Rita. She's one of the good people, Rita. <laughs> She's the best. She yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you guys got together. So and then you... we had a coffee and we spoke for half an hour. And he was like, just come and meet my partners and uh, we met at the so restaurant. no real relationship with Marcus before that. No, I mean, you no, obviously yeah. knew of him. We knew right? each other, but you know, I, you know, yeah, we knew each other, but we'd never kind of like close friends or anything. And so you wait, know, you said yeah. you had coffee. Yes. What happens after that? You think? Yeah, two Austrians. You know, have an I hour. mean, did it's you like, make so your mind up like I do with this dude? And he said, you know, why wouldn't I? You know, <laughs> yes. It happened sort of pretty, like quickly. pretty quickly. When you yes. sat with him, how far yeah. along was the project? Um. There was no renovation yet done. But he had the yeah, concept yeah. Everything and was done. Everything was done and, yeah. and yeah. all of that stuff and everything. I came aboard, I think it was May or June. Yeah. Um, so I want to mention to everyone, and this is pretty friggin' hot. I mean, the New York Times just gave Coleman three stars. Woohoo! 
<laughs> I mean, that's a big effing deal in this world. Yes, um, it's a huge deal. Yeah, so, and I think it's a culmination of everything. Marcus, the beverage list, the vibe, you know, all of that. So congrats to you. Thank and you I so don't much. think you'll be taking much time off um, in, <laughs> no, the, in the next so. couple of months. All right, so I looked at the wine list. <laughs> And I almost shit when I, it's like, it's like 45 pages. Yeah, I grew fast. Oh my God. I'm like, oh, you know, Katya has good experience. She put a tight little list together. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. So what, and, and I want you to tell me about the wine list. But one thing that I did notice was it's very Francophile centric. There's a lot of French there. Um, there's a really nice representation of Germany and Austrian wines. There's a nice representation of U.S. And an off the charts champagne list. Is that accurate? I mean, it's did accurate. I leave anything yes. out? No. I mean, <laughs> okay. After that. You're good. All right. So tell me. Did you put the list together that way because it complements the food? It's the dream of what you wanted to do? I mean, how'd this list come together? Um, yes. Um, Marcus loves Burgundy. And so when we started uh, working together, I was in his little office and I was by myself. And I was like, where's chef? You know, and he was in the kitchen and he started the cooking. And I was like, OK, let's take my laptop, go sit next to him. And we started tasting and I was rewriting the list. I was like, OK, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. And so we kind of like naturally came together of like champagne, I think, works great with this cuisine. Burgundy, he loves it and he works as well with the cuisine and I just want to have a fun wine list for everything so um there's a lot of wines on there for $60 and it goes so up value to, you know, and price yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. the quality yeah, is yeah. a no-brainer because yeah, that's yeah. what you know but there's a lot of opportunities yes, definitely. Um, for that. Yeah. I mean, how many champagnes do you have? I mean, every region in champagne <laughs> and every corner, there's a champagne, right? Yeah, I think I went a little overboard, but it's okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, champagne. you know, it's remarkable. Yeah. And then on the U.S. wines, why do you include a few U.S. wines? And like, who the do you choose? The core concept, we tried to have like a lot of from, from France, Austria, and then United States. So those are the three countries that we're working for now, you know, um, kind of like as the, the heart of the list. So when you put the list together, you have the experience and a dream of what you would like. But where do you and Marcus sit down with the food and say... You know, we have salmon and a lot of oh, fish. Yeah, totally. Let's make yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you collaborate. Yes, definitely. You know, where yeah. that all happens yeah, and everything. Yeah. Um, His food uh, is so elegant, you know, and it's yeah. really kind of like, it's I mean, gorgeous. That, and that that's salmon what like, dish, oof, that oh layer God, thing yeah. is unbelievable. I'm always curious when you put a list together. I've had a lot of people on. Like I had Chase Sinzer on and he just got three mm. stars. Yes. And he has a very tight list. Yeah. I mean, he has a reserve list mm. and all that. Um, is it harder to put a smaller list together or a bigger list? Smaller. And it is. Yeah, totally. And is there anything on the list, because you're focused on what you do, that you want to have on, that you like, that you know you can't? No, I mean, it, says no. <laughs> is, this, is this your dream list? Uh, it's getting there, yes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like no Italian wines. Yeah, you know, it's you can't not, have it all. <laughs> but are there any Italians that uh, it, it's okay, right? I mean, I, you know, as I said, you can't have it all. You know, there's there's budget and there's room, you know. So we're seller in New York, so. Budget um, and room. I mean, you know? 45. <laughs> um, and you know what's interesting? I, I, I think pre-COVID, Restaurants had a handful of people on the floor serving mm. wine. 
And then COVID came and literally everything shut down. And then when things started reopening, there were less people. But you have like two or three people, As you know, that are, yeah. that yeah. are wine centric. Yeah. And it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's a medium sized restaurant. It's yeah. not yeah. small and it's not huge. But the yeah. wine service, um, what did you take away from Le Bernardine as far as putting this list together? Either tasting stuff or Aldo's influences? Everything. Or... I mean, I learned everything from him. He's the biggest mentor and the biggest best friend. And I think it's also like the connections, you know? I mean, come on, you know, I tasted a lot with Aldo and to get the connections and kind of like going back to it and kind of like reaching out to people. Right. Like, hey, you know, I'm sort of like, you know, uh, let's taste together. Or this and this producer that I had previously at Lavada Da, is there anything, you know, obviously allocations, you start on the bottom. doesn't matter who you are, you know, you open a restaurant, right, you right, kind right, of like, right, okay, right. you start with Bourgogne Blanc instead of like whatever it is. But it's it's the connection with people. And I think that's the most important part of in our industry. You know, you learn, you get to know so many people on the way. And that's for Alex, you know, when we started, like, you know, it was like, oh, you know, who knew what coming out? And now it's a beautiful friendship that it's we kind of like, you know, support each other. And, you know, so that's, great. that's I think that's the most important part, you know, it's the, so the human factor, you know. Congrats to you on, uh, I mean, your, all your hard work. I mean, thank you. Who knew you would land, you know, here? All right, guys. Um, couple things left I want to do. I have a thing called the wine list where I ask all my guests their wine preferences. You did it um, when you were on. Alex, I'm curious about you. I ask my guests five questions, same five questions from day one. We post them on social media. I have a database of the greatest people in wine and their preferences. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Alex, you go first. Then Katya, you go next. Okay. And I don't want you to dwell on these questions. I don't want long-winded answers. I want answers to the questions. All right. And like I said, I post these on social media. Um, and then I want to taste Alex wine, and that's an opportunity. But before we get into it, Katya, mm -hmm. I said, bring a wine that's sort of representative of your taste, the restaurants and all that. And one of the nice things that I heard is that you have bottles that are very reasonable. So you that's can go in and have this amazing cuisine, get these curated wines and get them at a price that's not bad. So I said, bring a bottle that represents that. So just tell me what you, tell me a little about this wine. Uh, it's a Cotteron, um, il fait suf, so, which means like you can drink it every day, you know, it's super right. chocobot. It's a uh, crinoche with a little bit of Syrah. Um, like 80 90 percent yeah, grenache yeah, yeah, with yeah. a teeny bit, teeny of bit of whole um berries you know a little bit carbonic on there it's just chuggable it's so good you know and it's just this one is of on the wines. list it's on the list it's is by this the glass bottle right now. glass both or? Uh, both by the glass okay. and by the bottle you know and it's just a fun wine that's so elegant and so juicy and yeah, I tasted, we just put it on the list a couple of weeks ago and I had the stuff tasting on it and everybody was like, oh my God, this is so good. So everybody keeps selling so it, which did, is amazing. Did you know about this wine and you just decided when to bring no. it or you tasted, tasted it, it and, and everybody, yeah. that's so, amazing. Yeah. So whether you remember or not, I mean, what's a glass cost of this about? Uh, I think I have it 18 or $17. Yeah, right. But and for yeah. that quality yeah. and yeah. all oh. of that. All right. So wait. This is the Maxime Francois Laurent, yes. which is the uh, son of uh, Domaine Cramino. Il Fetsuf. <laughs> it's a Cote de Rhone. Yes. Um, it's a red wine. And like you said, it is a blend of Grenache and a little, a little Syrah. Of Syrah. Yes. Does this have a vintage year? Two? No. 
2020, no? Yeah, no, 18. 18. Okay. So it's got Sorry. a little 18. bottle age. Perfect. All right. So. I'm going to take a little sip while we're talking. <laughs> Very good. It's a perfect pizza wine. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's hope we have a little pizza soon. All right. So here we go. First question is, what are you drinking now? What's in your fridge? What are you tasting as the seasons change? Are you switching? It could be beer, wines, whatever. What are you drinking now? I'm drinking a lot of champagne now, but I generally always Why? drink a lot. In of general, you do. Or... I'm a huge champagne person. Okay, yes. you're 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 with me on that. <laughs> um, is there anything specific you love, or you're all over the place in a good way? I'm all over the place for the kits, just tasting and, okay. and exploring. But I drink the Laurent Perrier Rosé like it's juice. Okay. Um, it's it's a favorite of mine. I just really love how it's just got some finesse to it, and it's it's fun. It's fun to and have. We and love plus, Michelle. the bottle's pretty. I love Michelle. And we love Michelle, who's doing a great job. I love oh. Kathleen, right. and they're just a fun crew. And I've I've been out to the Champagne House, and they're just fantastic. All right, what do you? I know you you have guys coming in. You're yes. tasting stuff, <laughs> but when you're off on your, if I went into your house and opened your fridge, just got what what are you what are you drinking now? Uh, Chopin is in there as well. And okay. uh, Rieslings. I usually have Rieslings. Okay. I left German so Rieslings. Two know, things. Austrian this Riesling. is why I ask these questions yeah. and why I have you here. Is there any champagne worth noting? Like, can you? Uh, I mean, from Chateau Toyer to La Herte Ferry, I mean, those are my favorite go tos, you know. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, if I could afford it, I would drink Grook all day long because I think okay. it's the best champagne. Yeah. Well, in the we world. all would. What about? Give me a Riesling or two that you love. Uh, Riesling, um, Keller, um, okay. but the, the basic line, you know, whatever they have. Kids, the can't Jake go Rocken. wrong, right? Um, otherwise, um, Vollenweider or Julian Hart, um, Franzen. I don't know if you ever heard about Franzen. F R A N Z E N. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh my God, Franzen from what region? In the Mosul. Um, super young couple. I visited them a couple of years ago. And reasonable or expensive? Yes, super reasonable. Okay, so that's so a look great. Out for them. That's yes. what I'm looking Franzen. for, Franzen. Yes. All right, try and the cabinet, and they have one which is called the Side. Franzen cabinet. Yeah. Little off sweet, just gorgeous. And like I said, I post this stuff. Um, all right, second question, maybe the goofiest. This should be the <laughs> quickest. Favorite wine and food pairing? Not what you think is good or you would recommend, but what you like. <laughs> so in the fall, I like to do Barolo with chocolate and like candy, like Halloween candy. I'll sit down with like. <laughs> Twizzlers. People think Twizzlers it's weird. Twizzlers and Barolo? Yeah, I'm a weird person. Do you ever person. find each end and suck the I do, and I watch, I watch Netflix while oh, I'm doing God. it. I'll have, um, See, I've done Doritos with the Barolo before. Don't judge me. I'm, I'm being not honest. judging you. The only thing I'm judging you on is I think Barolo and chocolate's amazing, but you throw Twizzlers in, and now I'm confused. I just love, like, Halloween candy with I it. I get it. I get it. And you have two boys that are, you know, anxious to get out. All right. Uh, favorite wine and food pairing. And don't don't tell me like schnitzel and chardonnay. No. <laughs> Go ahead. What? Schnitzel and beer. Beer. Okay. <laughs> or Bruner schnitzel, you know. <laughs> no, just like some delicious spicy Thai food and Riesling, you know. All right. That's so Thai food like, and you know, Riesling. Yeah. Um, just I agree with that. And cool, you know, uh, and just is Thai sweet. food good with Gruner? Or better with Riesling. I like it better with Riesling. What about Gewürztraminer? No? No. No. All right. Good, good, good. All right. You guys are busy, but 
you get around. I mean, part of what you do, part of what you do. Favorite wine restaurant and our bar. Like if somebody said to me, call them on, I'd say killer wine lists, killer people, killer vibe, incredible food, mm-hmm. restaurant with wine. And Eric Asimov just did a story about, is it a wine bar or a restaurant? You get out a lot, you meet people. So give me a couple of places where all that comes together that you guys like. And I want to... Besides cocktails, because I would just sit at the bar. Well, no, I want to disclaim that whatever you say is not your top pick. It's just a recommendation. Mm -hmm. So your friends don't come to you and say, Alex, how come you didn't mention me? It's just, you know, what comes to mind? Who does it well? So we both agree on Coleman. Give me something else at least. So Le Mercury um, down in Soho, I, that's some place where I host you know, I'll, I'll just kind of sit there for lunch during the day. Um, so they have a flower shop, but they have an incredible wine list that I can just explore. I can change things up. They have a good by the glass. It's reasonably priced too. And so it's not as extensive as Katya's menu, but it's something that I can enjoy as soon, until she opens up. It's a very cool spot. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you can think of? That's um, enough if you want to stop there. Well, it depends. If I'm staying in New York, um, I really like the Manhattan menu. They've, the they've view. Been, They've, well, the view especially, but also the, the wine list there, the cocktail list, they've revamped it since the pandemic. Um, and they really did, they did an overhaul on the, the cuisine there and the pairings are just stellar. So, um, and I really do enjoy their list. I drink more cocktails there, but that's, that's okay. another one I would enjoy. That's okay. Yeah. Um, if, and when you get out between opening a restaurant, having a baby, <laughs> being pregnant, I mean, who, yes. who does it right? <laughs> Um, I live in Carrow Gardens, so um, Red Hook Tavern, my absolute favorite. Oh, I mean, Tavern. walking and is distance. Is Rebel Flynn still there? That um, she had a baby, just like she recently. did. Yes. Um, the burger is just killer, and the wine is is fantastic. Um, Frank's Wine Bar, you know, that's another. So wait, one of my you live in Brooklyn? I live in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah. My so buddy John Canada. Patterson Ugh. left, but oh, it's still yeah, in great hands. Still hand. a great hand. So hand. those are two good places. And then Ilvara, the Spanish place. What's uh, it Coco called? Ilvara. Yeah, I think V-A-R- it's a good one. Yeah. Yes. O Spanish or place. A. Uh, Ilvara? Um, I have to look at it. Bar. No, Elbara. 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 Oh, Elbara. Yeah. I got it. All right. So those are good answers. And like I said, I post. I'll post it. <laughs> um, you should get to my friend James's Popina or Gus's Chop House. I'm literally like one block away from Go this there. Yeah. You'll so put good. that yes. on the list. I'm yes. giving Please him search. a little plug. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the, the fourth question is favorite all-time wine. When I structured the question for the show five years ago, I was very curious about my guest's most expensive rare wine they ever tasted. And as a matter of fact, Aldo Som taught me a lesson because he was on fairly early and I asked him this question and the question segued into what was the most expensive bottle and who did you sell it to? And he right away, and he's a humble guy. He said, doesn't matter. You know, you don't. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Who gives a crap? You know that. So I restructured the question in thinking about that. What is the wine to you guys that, changed the way you thought about wine that was a gateway that was you know influenced what you're doing what's the important wine and that doesn't mean expensive or rare what's the wine that had an impact on you know how you think about wine today you go first Alex well it was the Celaya 
So, the Celia, so Super Tuscan. When was this and what year was it? So it was the, during that Antonori event. Um, and I had obviously had wine beforehand, but in terms of just going through and tasting it and really enjoying something um, and understanding the pairings a little bit more, but just having a wine that was, it's, it's a weird word to use, but fluid and just super enjoyable across the board and with great people too. It was just, yeah, it was part a of it is the time it like yeah. people say to me, it was this crappy champagne when I proposed to my wife, <laughs> that's more memorable than a 61 Petrus, you know, yes. who cares? Um, so it was the Celia. Do you remember the vintage year or you don't? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. What right year now. was this? So it was 2010. And we were... So, you know, it's a couple of years in the thing. It could have been our early mid-teens. Yeah, probably, uh, I want to say it was like 98. I can't remember the vintage. That's right all now. right. But So the Celia, that's was, a wine. That was one that made an impact. I think the wine itself, but also the environment, the vibe that I was in. But the tell me about the fluid part again. When you drank it, there was something where it all came together. We had we had a bunch of pairings um, out and it was just, the conversation was flowing. The room energy was great, which I love room energy. And the pairings were spot on. And I was just like, wow, this is That's, great. And it wasn't gluttonous. I didn't feel, you know, when you eat too much, it was just that's, Perfect. It was a good day. That's how you answer the question. That's <laughs> the wine where, you know, it had a feeling. Now, a little different with you. <laughs> you know, you're like Aldous Home Jr. You're like worked at the greatest wine list Aldo ever. Jr. <laughs> what? So tell me, not the most expensive or no. what's that important wine to you, you know, throughout? I think I can echo um, what Alex said. It's all about people and situations. And one of the things I remember, I was in Austria in February and I visited a winery, uh, Franz Wieninger in Burgenland, and we were up in a vineyard and he explained to me, it was called the Cybrids. And he was like, you know what? Every time I rent a new vineyard, I make sure there's a, sh a, a sherry tree in the middle of it. And I was like, why are you doing sherry tree? And I was like, because, you know, it's all about life and you know everybody works hard and you're doing things and then you're kind of like in the vineyard and it's long rows in Burgenland and you're sort of like halfway through there needs to be a cherry tree because then you have a, you do a break you know you sit down you enjoy the sun you have a little bit of your own wine and kind of like think about life and think about the family and then you keep on doing work and you continue your work and then we went back to the winery and then we tasted this wine and I was just like yes this is actually what's supposed to be you know you know, we all work hard and play hard and doing things, but just take a moment and kind of like, this is your cherry tree. You kind of like sit back, right. relax a little bit and reflect on what's happening in life. And, you know, That's and what it's all every about. time when I, like, I look at this and I have the wine on the list and every time I open Wait, it so and I pour tell me, it, tell me again kind what of the like wine brings is? it back to feeling. It's a Blaufrankisch from Austria. It's the Cypress. So Blaufrankisch, Austrian. Austrian yeah. Who's the maker? Uh, Franz Wieninger. The Spell Weininger. the last name for me. Uh, Weininger. W-E-N-Weniger. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> W-E-N-E-G-E-R. Weniger. All right, yes. I'll double yes. check it. Because when I look down the list. A, it's a I saw that you memory, had a nice list you know. of Blaufrankisch. Yes, yeah. You know, which was nice. Uh -oh. I think it's a, a very underappreciated grape. Oh, yes. Um, I've been doing shows with... Um, Central Europeans, and it's a big grape it is. Um, there, too. All right, last question, and I think both of you, no pressure, should be awesome at this 
answering this. Maybe the best ever of my 250 plus interviews, you guys may give me the two best answers because you're in the game. So the question is, recommend to me the best wine, 15, 20, 22 bucks retail. Uh, recommend a red and a white. You can go category like Muscadet is a white is a great value, you know, for the money. And I always say this because my kids, I have three boys, they're in their late 20s, one is in his 30s. Mm -hmm. They can't bring crappy wine to a dinner or as a gift, but they can't afford 40, 50 bucks. So how do you wow at 20, 19, 22 bucks? You go first. What would you recommend? So something I really loved, I, I had the pleasure of working with Bulpaya when I was at Wilson Daniels, and she is such an incredible winemaker. And, you know, their Chianti is reasonably priced. You know, I don't, I don't know if the pricing has changed because I, I get samples. But um, but it's in that 20s It's in the thing? 20s range where this is just... V-O-L-P-A-I-A, Volpaya Chianti, yeah. makes a basic Chianti Reserve or whatever, Classico, yeah. um, in that range. Exactly. And that's something that I feel is a good introductory, you know, Chianti, but she also has other SKUs that are just wonderful and... She's just an incredible winemaker. Give me, in that vein, give me a white wine. Not a Volpea white, but give me, what do you think white? So, you know, Andre Mack has his Chardonnay. I I love from his- From Oregon? From Oregon. I love his Chardonnay. I do. I think it's crisp. It's just really fun and vibrant, and it's affordable. His it's, wines are all value. And it's something that I can just, you know, we, we drink it in the summer a lot. I just grab it, chill it, and we sit by our friend's pool and- you know what? I've had a lot of his wines, but never had the Chardonnay. I have to give it's it a shot. One. I just yeah. saw Andre. All right, your turn. Give me a good value red, good value white. Like I said, you can give me the maker or region. Um, Gruner. Sorry, I'm going to beat Austin. All right. <laughs> All right. Of course. So G I love it. GV, I G need a maker. Uh, Barbara Ötzett, uh, from the Kampta. Wait, spell that. Wait, I want you to pronounce that. <laughs> yes, Barbara. Barbara. I didn't hear what she said. Wait, Barbara? Barbara. Ötzett. Yeah. Spell. Oh, my God. A-H-Z-E-L-T, Ötzelt. Yes, from okay. Bowen brings it in. Um, super delicious. <laughs> and uh, that's Gruner. in that 20 buck Seven range? 20 Do you bucks. have it at the yes. restaurant? I have it in the restaurant. Glass, yes. bottle, yeah. both? Uh, was by the glass and now it's by the bottle. Okay. Only. Oh, yes. cool. right, so that's Spice, your... great with food. I mean, really versatile and really, like, people were off. The they loved it. You know? I want to try that when I Wait, get Wait, is that good yes, with your Thai food? <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. All right, now, give me a red. Uh, I would do the Laurent, Maxime Laurent. Il okay, fait six, so you know? this wine yes. that you brought yeah, in yeah. is definitely uh, in the zone. Definitely in the price the, zone. Uh, you know? Francois Laurent, Il fait sous. Il fait sous. Drink it every day. All right. Um, all right, so. That was really hard. So. At, no, <laughs> let me do the complimenting. Admirable job by both of you. We got Thank by you. it quickly. You didn't, like, dwell or stumble. Um, as I mentioned, I will post them. Um, you guys have been in the game and around it, so people love to hear. They're always looking for suggestions. Um, you know, we're going to talk about your wine in a second, but this is a great example, you know, of all of that. All right, we have to wrap up the show, but before we wrap up the show, we do a segment called the Weekly Wine Sip where we ask, and I asked Katya to bring in a wine, and that was the... Um, 
what's the guy's last name? Francois Laurent. And um, interestingly enough, Alex makes a wine. Um, it all came together um, when she was doing virtual with us. So tell me the story. I'll kick it off. It's called Altrocero. Yes. Now, Alex is married to a guy named Sean, and she has two kids named Rome and... Um, Troy. Troy. <laughs> so Al is Alex. Tro is Troy. Say is Sean. And Ro is Rome. Yeah. Okay. And I call Rome Ro all the time. That's his nickname. Right. All right. So <laughs> tell me... It just made sense in doing what you're doing to make a wine. I mean, how'd this come about? Yeah. So, you know, as, as part of really developing B2B concept, I needed to think about seasonality and corporations don't typically do events in the summer or in February um, and March, early March. So I thought about it and I've always had a passion for really creating a wine and I had never known how to go about it. And so I reached out to my friend, Ram Callahan and, um, Ram, who's a prolific he's a master uh, sommelier, <laughs> master Boston region. Yes. And um, and works with you now. And works, uh, you know, he's, he's one of our partners and his his business partner is Dan O'Brien, who is, is the winemaker for Gale. And they have a wine company, DOB and, and Fawcett. Um, and they said, you know, well, we'd love to partner up with you, Alex. So we started brainstorming. Um, they were making fun of me that I was like the guy from Sideways because I was like, no more Merlot. I hate <laughs> fucking Merlot. I, I just had Macetto for Thanksgiving. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah. That's actually a good one. <laughs> and it was Mer wasn't it all Merlot? <laughs> it all Merlot, yeah. yes. <laughs> and so we were, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic, so they're sending me different things and to blend. And I'm sitting at my dining room table and, uh, and really that's kind of how this came to play. And, and wait, 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 uh, you told me this off here. So you blended in New Jersey with samples they sent you. So you blended at your kitchen table, which is blending wine at your kitchen table in Jersey is not the normal <laughs> thing, right? So this is the birth the of this wine, thing. right? That's, yeah, how I roll, that's how I roll, Sam. That's, that's how, how I do you it. roll. Okay. And then Dan, Dan put his magical spin on it and, and did the, the winemaking over in Sonoma. For so let's larger. talk about what's in it. What's in this wine i mean what were those Not samples <laughs> no more love. um so there's there's symphandel is 85 percent. okay so it's a zin based wine why you like that big fruity spicy or so i was thinking of i wanted something that was representative of puerto rico that's where i'm from i right. lived there until i was six and tejano flavors african flavors and symphandel really does do that it brings those flavors into play big, bold spicy i mean I all mean, those descriptors that's how i am play as a personality right right right, right. <laughs> So you wanted to reflect heritage, your personality, and all that. So predominantly Zinfandel, what else? So we have uh, Barbera, about 5%. Uh, California-grown Barbera? Yep. Um, and it's it's from Sonoma. So Right. Um, and then Alicante, there's 10%. So the Barbera really helps with the acidity um, to help integrate it and perhaps brings a little bit more flavor, but it's more of the acidity part of it. Um, and so that's that's what makes up this wine. And now we're we're selling it, and we're so it's available with the virtual with us tastings and stuff. But on the site, no, not on the site. It's available at some retailers, right? Yes. So we are distributed by Banville Merchants, and now we're selling at Acker. Um, we'll be selling 
uh, at Byrite, and we're expanding over to Whole Foods eventually. So we're having conversations there. So I'm really excited uh, about this and about the story, and it, it kind of helps bridge the gap of uh, you know person of color owned wine brands as well. And it tied into the brand that we were building. Uh, we have olive oils and honeys, right. and I wanted to incorporate that. And so that's really how this was born. And and I wanted it to be genuine. And my family is everything to me. And as you see on the, it's label, on the label, it's, it's us fishing on a dock because we go fishing pretty much all spring, summer, and fall until we can't in early in the Your day. Your kids will touch anything. Snakes, oh, frogs, fish. All that's, day. There's always animals in my house. It's I know, weird. It's, it's weird. Now... <laughs> Our listeners can't see this, but I have Katya hooked up to a lie detector. <laughs> and I want you to lift up. I poured you a glass of Alex's wine, and I want you to take a sip. And I will be looking at the graph, and yes. I want you to tell me about this wine, okay? So it's a Zinfandel base with two interesting blends, yes. Alicante and Barbera. And Barbera. Yes. Okay. It's super delicious. It's super delicious. Yes. So delicious Juicy. is a great word. Yeah. I, I mean, the price range for this wine is not crazy. So delicious is important. Tell me a little more about it. Um, you can open it. It's super juggable. And uh, I think it's very food friendly. I mean, you can drink it with steaks and pizza and just, you know, it's family. You know, so you open pairing it up, wise, you know. good with red meat, oh, juicy burger. Yes. Pizza, pizza, it'll hold perfect. up to that. Absolutely. All right. Now, the wine that you brought, give me some pairings for that wine, the Cote de Rhone. Uh, we have a great chicken for two on the menu right now. So chicken um, will go with that? amazing. But also the salmon that we do. Uh, salmon on crude with uh, the um, red beet sauce the chef makes. Fantastic with that. So that's something. All right. Funny with that. All right. So that is the Altrocero, A-L-T-R-O-S-E-R-O. <laughs> Um, I'll ask you when we wrap up, you know, specifically where to get it. <laughs> All right, guys, I told you this would go quickly. We ran way over our allotment. Armin, my engineer out there, is pointing a gun at me. Um, and, but he's very nonviolent. It's a fake gun. All right, so let me do a quick wrap up, and I want to get some info from you. So if you have a suggestion, question, wine happening, or event, hit me up at sam at thegrapenation.com. That's Sam at thegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. The reason we ask you to subscribe is what I tell everyone every week. You subscribe, and tomorrow you wake up, and Alex and Katya are in bed with you. There's your podcast. You don't have to go search it. You don't have to Google it. They're there. We're there. Right? So please subscribe. And if you like the show, leave us a good review. If you don't, you know, get that out of here. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram. We're at SBenRuby. And on Twitter, we're at BenRuby. I know that's a little confusing, an S and not an S. But you can always find us. With the hashtag, The Grape Nation will get you there. Um, we're also on Facebook, at The Grape Nation. Um, as I mentioned, we will post Alex and Katya's wine list, and I will post our weekly wine sip selections, which was the Cote d'Aron and Alex's wine. All right, so guys, help me out here. If people want to know more about what's going on. So Alex, let's start with you. If people want to know more about virtual with us for themselves for their company you know for every different reason where do they go 
So you can go to virtualwithus.com or culturewithus.com and okay. it'll lead to. Okay. Yeah. And you're a good guy. You're a good mom. You have an uh, Instagram account. If they want to follow you, where can they go? They can go to Alex Shrek, S-C-H-R-E-C. Okay. Um, Katya, uh, we talked about Coleman. Just That's where we're going to be, yes. Um, if people want to know more about Coleman. Where should they go? Uh, on the website, um, Coleman, and I'm going to be there. K O L M A N. A-N. Yes. Just Google Coleman and you'll get there. And good luck getting a reservation. Okay. <laughs> now, no. if they want to follow you, uh, it's uh, Instagram Katya uh, K A T J J A underscore underscore and then S C H. A-R-N-H-E-L. All right. Now, you know I pronounced it wrong the whole time, so give us the proper pronunciation (laughs) of Scharnagel. Scharnagel. Right. Scharnagel. She says it so casually. Right. Nobody can say it. I did it. There were like two syllables. You did it. There were nine, but that's okay. All right. All right. So we got to wrap up. I want to thank our guests, Alex Schreckengost and Katya Um, As always, I want to thank our engineer, Armin, um, for helping us out here. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.